Well, hey there. Um, welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. Today we have Sarah Warren, who is an amazing artist and a good friend of mine as well. Um, and I've been so excited to get her on the show um, because, well, she's literally an artist that has done lots of events. Um, and years ago, I, I met her when I was doing fundraising events. And she's even painted, speed painted in my wedding um, and done videos and photo shoots for me. So we've got a bit of a background, but I really wanted to bring Sarah on to have a chat about her career, um, some of the amazing work she does for charity, um, and also bring to light the challenges artists also have when it comes to valuing their work. So again, we bring the money spin to the conversation um, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people that really struggle. Some people even put their their dreams of, of being a creator um, off because they're worried that they're going to be starving to death for you know through their career. So um, that's something we want to chat about today. So thank you very much for joining us, Sarah. Um, first of all, I want to commend you on this amazing work that you've been doing with your charities and the events you've been doing. So first, can you do you, do you want to just give us an an idea of your business and your um, how it's all structured? Okay, Amy, I can do that. So I am a speed painter. And what a speed painter is, is somebody who comes to an event with a blank canvas and puts it on a stage and they'll have a certain amount of time, whether five minutes to an hour, hour and a half to create a work from start to finish while the crowd watches. And it's a massive thrill for me because I try to do something where most speed painters, they'll have practiced the image they do beforehand and it will be a famous face often. Whereas I, take a different spin on it and my heart is to encapsulate the event that I'm painting whether it's the energy in an abstract way or uh, the landscape from where we're at like say it's a wedding reception and capture where that wedding took place and make a different painting every time I paint live it's very rare that I'll do the same image which is terrifying for me as an artist but keeps me on my toes and keeps things fresh and um, it's a great way to interact with the crowd because they see themselves in that moment. And when it's an abstract piece, it's really nice to allow them on stage with me or off to the side and they get to put some paint strokes on as well and get a little messy with me. And that way they can get that um, creative infusion in real life, in real time and touch the canvas with me. Um, business model wise, it keeps growing and developing over the years. I've now been doing this for nearly 16 years. As of October, the end of October, I started uh, 16 years ago. And the first time I took to the stage, I had never seen it before. I had no model. I had no mentor. A lot of people in business have an experience where they are kind of taught how to do something or that I didn't know about YouTube. I didn't like, I'm old <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know how it works. So it's been a great process of creating a business out of no, I know how to manual. Done a great job. I mean, you've really put yourself out there. I think um, it does take a lot of guts to do what you do and you do it with such ease and grace. I like, Thanks. honestly, um, and I know, and you've also got a lot of um, presence on social media, media presence and whatnot. So you've really built quite a portfolio in all uh, aspects of the media um, yeah. as well as, and I know that you do some really high end um, events now, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah lots of fun. 
hanging out and rubbing elbows with celebrities and getting them on the canvas with me. And it's fun too, because I often don't know who the celebrities are because with my American background, I, I'll look at somebody and go, you look like a footy player. And then they'll tell me their name and I'll Google them. And they're like in the hall of fame of NRL. And I just, it's just so much fun to not really know who people are. I think people appreciate that too. Yes, they really do. I was slapping shoulders and rubbing elbows with this one woman and she was older and I had no, no clue who she was. And I spoke to her like she was my own grandmother. And it turns out at the time she was speaker of the house, Bronwyn Bishop. And it was so funny because I had no idea. And then a week later, I get a phone call from her people. And they're like, hey, do you, can you do 10 paintings in 30 minutes at an event for her? And I was like, sure, no worries. Hunt up the phone and then like felt like I was about to throw up because I'd never done 10 paintings in 30 minutes before. But I always say, I yes, know. figure it out later. And it went incredible. I got to perform next to this incredible pianist while he played this piece of music from the 18th century. And I had to create a different painting for every part of the movements that he was playing. And I would make my hands go up when the music went up and make them go down. So I had spent six months learning that piece of music to go with it. It was incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you know, that's a really amazing lesson that you just shared there in respect to running a business. Um, and I think which attributes to a lot of people's success when they just throw caution to the wind. They don't know what they're going to get themselves into, but they say yes anyway. Yeah. Um, and they'll go, yep, and then I'll work it out and deal with it as it comes because there's, there lies the opportunities and the growth when you do something like that. I don't think we should ever say yes to a job where we fit the criteria that's listed on there. There should always be something that scares you, always be something that makes you stretch and learn it. Um, if you know how to do everything, you will not be a great asset to that company because you'll be too headful and like have this mentality of, oh, I know how to do that. But you won't have that mentality of that fresh uh, intern learning of that heart of I don't know anything, which is what we need to have constantly. I try to always approach every event with I don't know what I'm doing because that keeps me stretching to be better than I was the event prior to that. Wow, that's something we should quote. That's fantastic. Thank and it's a listen to absolutely everybody, regardless of whether you're self-employed um, or you're starting out or you're you're just you know getting out in the workforce, you know, getting your first job. That's brilliant advice to really stretch ourselves and not. And you know, I was given that advice years ago: never be the smartest person in the room. Oh, exactly. Um, same kind of concept. It's walking through life to be forever learning, forever taking on experiences. And I guess that's really what it is with an artist. You know, you're constantly searching, looking on um, new experiences and you've, you're the one with the paintbrush to create that. That's right. Very true. Which is awesome. Making me kind of jealous now. I should have <laughs> more creative stuff. So when I send you retire, I, I do want to get back into painting and, and music again. One day I'll work on that. <laughs> You certainly have motivation. Do it now. Pardon? Do it now. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I would if I didn't have this baby that's on my case all the time. So back to your business model, another aspect of it, um, especially when it comes to these charities is, sorry, your events is your charity. Yes. But please tell me all about that because usually these events are fundraising for a particular charity anyway. Right. Or what they'll do at events that it's not a fundraiser, they will often 
auction it off anyway. They'll go, okay, it's not a fundraiser, but we want to give this away to a charity and they'll find uh, a charity that's close to their company's heart and they'll auction it off live. And what that does is it gives me a sense of purpose behind the painting because I feel like, oh my goodness, this one's helping feed the homeless or this painting's helping with this person's medical bills and whatever it is, it's, um, it makes me feel like I'm not just here to entertain people. I'm here to inspire them and give hope and help. Mm -hmm. And I think that people will look at me and they often go, oh, you're so lucky you've got a gift like that, that you can help so many people because thankfully I've raised nearly $200,000 for charities now and my goal is over a million. But I just look back at them and say, you know, what gift is in your hand? Every, like I have got a paintbrush in mine, but you know, can you bake? Can you write letters? Can you sing? Whatever you have, you can do something, whether it's on a small level or a large scale and you can give back because I think a lot of people are in a state of just living in their subconscious and in depression because they don't engage with the community. They don't, you know, it's this life, a circle of life. And when we don't participate in it, when we get disconnected because of technology and feel like, oh, I pushed like on someone's thing or I donated $5 to this wires or something, you know, like there's so much more we can all do together to help humanity. Yeah. So I guess when you're at your, like an event, you really feel like you're encouraging an entire community to be involved in a particular charity. Yes. Um, and also with your work in the past, um, you had a charity that you chose for, you know, if you did a commission painting, for example, always a percentage, is that still happening where a percentage of that money would go to a charity? Yes and no. Um, I kind of put that on hold when I had a massive life change a few years ago and, and was kind of, I left a 12 year mixed orientated marriage and decided I was going to be free and be me. And I left with hardly anything like nothing. And so the charity became, let's get my kids fed and get, get myself on my feet and learned how to put the mask on myself. And and yeah. thankfully I do enough events where I don't feel like, Hey, every commission I have to give back. Cause I feel like, Hey, it's my kid's turn to have a pair of new shoes. It's my kid's turn to have their sport paid for. So, um, and COVID has been a very interesting season for every artist. I do believe it'll get to the point where I do get back to that. Um, but I'm also in the process of becoming a foster parent. And so that again becomes a way of giving well, back. Absolutely. It is a way of giving back. And I actually commend you for that because that was actually perfect segue to the next um, topic on uh, valuing the work that we do. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that you're giving that back to community in many ways um, and $200,000. Well done. That's fantastic. And I, I can see you exceed a million. Oh yeah! Uh, don't put a cap on it. No, for sure. I remember when we first met. You said you really wanted your uh, get to that philanthropic uh, state where you're that far up there with your artwork that you. It's just an effortless way of giving to charities, and you will get there. I believe that that's sort of your, you know, your journey. And already watching you in the last few years, sort of, okay, you've been 16, but I'd say in the last, when did we last do something together? Say five years, you've just gone, you no. Know, 
And I, it's only going to get further. It's only going to get further. So um, anyway, I, I, so I think what you're doing is fantastic. And the, going back to putting, you know, getting kids shoes and putting food on the table. And yes, I get that whole experience of coming out of a relationship. Um, we were talking about this prior to um, recording is that women often uh, lose themselves in a relationship, um, sometimes lose a sense of uh, the financial situation, which is why I'm doing sensibility. It's like bringing the conversation of money back to being normal and empower people with that, that message. So you saying that, you know, you've changed your business model so that you could actually, you're not giving a portion of your paintings away to charity through like when you do a commission, um, but you're feeding your family and you're building your financial future um, with your art, which is, it's fantastic. Um, and I remember years ago, if you don't mind me sharing, when I came down and sat with you guys, you were looking for some, a bit of direction, financial advice around super and, and all that. And I'm always, you know, I, I asked bigger pictures, you know, asked about your business and your art. And um, I remember thinking, man, you've got to charge more, you know? And I mean, you've gone from strength to strength. I mean, it's because often we undervalue. So can you share, me, share with me about your journey in how you've um, really learned to value your work and your time and how you've gone, because you have really accelerated over the several year, past few years, how you've gone on that journey? Okay. First off, I never valued my art until I valued myself. So three years ago when I took that big leap and said, no, I'm going to value myself and who I am, everything changed from that moment on. And until we, unless you stop the rat race and the, that constant pace of compulsive activity and you get back into the state of conscious activity and you get your mind and your heart and your soul valuing who you are, you will never charge what you're worth. That is so true. That is amazing. That's that's one of my messages with the money coaching stuff is it starts with you. It does, 100%. And as soon as I got to the point where I could look in the mirror, be proud of who I was and loved what I saw, it wasn't until that moment that I was able to add an extra zero to a quote for a client. And then I learned the power of giving three options. A lot of artists will just say, okay, here's the price for a commission or a mural. And I now will do a mood board and give three price points. And it cracks me up because I'm still surprised when they go for the highest price point. I always expect the middle one or the cheapest option, but they come back and they're like, oh no, I want the, the, the gold package or I, you know, whatever I've titled it for that particular client. They're like, no, I want the um, jaw dropper, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And then, I always get off that email going, oh my God, they went for the higher price point. And then I realized, hey, they're valuing me as well because um, I'm going to value myself. Yeah. And when and when we, you know, invest, like a piece of art for me is an investment. Like I've got the painting you did for our um our wedding in our still. So I see as I go up and as we go down, every single day it's something I see. And it's when you invest in something, um, you, you, there's a there's another level of love of, of it, you know, whether it's an item or whatever, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel worthy when you're spending that money on yourself. So when your clients are going, I want the best package because I love the work. 
and I know I'm going to love it and it will make me feel good. Mm. So again, it all comes back down to how we all feel. Um, you know, first of all, it's reflecting on you first. You know, you are confident. You are, you, you know who you are and that is reflective in your artwork. It's very true. Um, so if you don't mind, I know this is, might be a little bit personal, but how did you, what were the transitions that you've had? I mean, I know you've gone through that relationship breakup and then gone, okay, I need to, you know, start working on yourself. Mm. Um, when was that point where you were like, I've got to uh, stop, change the model from how it was to bringing, you know, making sure my family are looked after and also then how I'm going to look after myself. Were there any trigger points besides some, you know, relationship breakup? Were there any moments that, that sort of had you go, uh, I'm not going to do this anymore? Do you have any? There's that quote that says, um, like, you're an idiot if you keep doing the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. When I looked at what I made over the course of 50, uh, the first 12 years of business and I go, it's not increasing. It's, it's not going where I think it should go. And then I looked, had I changed anything? No, I'd kept doing the same method over and over again, how I approached a canvas, how I approached a client, how I approached the day. Um, so changing it up meant for me, one, my mindset about who I was, but it was also things like realizing thanks to um, my partner. Now she always says stuff like if saying yes to somebody else means saying no to yourself, then don't say yes to somebody else. And I kept realizing I had kept saying no to myself for so many years and saying yes to other people, to people, please. Mm. I need to create what makes me come alive. So for instance, I've had people approach me and say, oh, will you do art classes during school holidays? And I sit there and go, actually teaching children who have had a bunch of lollies on their way to come see me is not my ideal of coming alive. I mm. that, And so I say no to opportunities that don't make me go, oh my God, that sounds like so much fun. Now, if it's working with refugee kids or community children on like a mural or something, yes, I'm all in most of the time. But when it comes to doing certain projects, I go, no, that's not me. And as soon as I said yes to things that made me come alive and no to things that didn't, that also increased my business. Wow, yeah, these are great nuggets. I love this. This is so important for everybody to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, because the biggest message I'm hearing is you've, you've got to find the joy and being creative. That's where it comes from. You know, you, it is reflective in everything. One thing I learned as a money coach, that was the thing I did this assessment um, because I basically had to become a student, like be, go through the process. So um, I was like a client and to become the teacher. And the, the, the interesting thing, and you know that I can, you know, my background is singing and I did art before and performing arts um, before I got into finance, but I actually had put all of that off in my life. And um, this was, I, I, at the time, I didn't realise how depressed I was. And my mentor to me around him is, you have no creative. There's, you, you're, the archetype of the creator is not even there. You've got not even one 
one word that I could describe about myself at that point in my life was creative. And I just went, oh my God, because, and I used to say this to Brett when we first met, if I'm not singing or listening to music or doing something that's sort of, or getting dressed up or just where I'm expressing myself in some way, something's wrong. Yes. And listening to these teachers sort of brings to my attention, I realised, geez, something's really wrong here. And so one thing I'm always encouraging my clients who are doing money coaching with me is you've got to find that creator because that's when you've got that creativity, you're going to have the, you know, that sort of the magician and the warrior sort of going to help create the manifest, the lifestyle that you want with finances and the opportunities and all the things that we desire and dream of when we sort of sit down and go, well, this is the career path I want to take. This is um, the, you know, the job that I want the events that I want to be booked for, whatever the case may be, that's all going to come from the creator and that's going to come from within, that burning desire and joy is the one thing that actually pushes it forward, which is amazing with what you just said. Like it's fantastic advice. I think people in any sector of business, any industry, when they don't tap into their creativity, or they don't believe they're creative. They're missing out on one of the biggest assets to their life. It's kind of like, I, I would compare it to if I said, okay, look at your phone for the next five minutes and look at apps that you haven't really opened and find something out about your phone that you didn't know before. Everyone could find heaps of things because there's always apps that are unopened, untouched. And you go, oh my God, I had no idea my phone had that capability. You know, whatever it may be. And you're like, wow, that's so cool. In the same light, people don't realize their heads, their brains have over 100 million brain cells and that their bodies can move in over 700,000 different ways of movement. There's so much creativity tapped in within people that if they just gave themselves that five minutes a day to go, oh, I had no clue that that was in me. Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's doing something, I think, the best question to ask yourself is when was the last time that I did something for the first time? When was the last time you mm. tried a new food? When was the last time you went a different route to work? When was the last time you did something, whether it was like snorkeling or painting your toenails or um, like walking barefoot in the grass? It doesn't have to be something that you pay thousands of dollars for an African safari. It can be the simplest little thing, you know, sitting on the ground to play cards with your kids rather than sitting at a table or, you know, walking with a friend and having a chat rather than sitting on your phone. There's all these little ways that we can tap into our creativity that we don't even give ourselves permission for because we go, I don't have time for that. Whereas mm -hmm. it's, I relate it to exercise. We don't have the luxury not to do it because our bodies and our soul need it just as much as eating a healthy diet as just as much as exercise, our body and our soul needs and our relationships and our businesses need us to tap into that creativity because without that, we're, we're not living. Mm. Now are you doing work like this with businesses? Yes. So I'm doing corporate speaking and mm -hmm. professional speaking. It's been a wild ride learning how to communicate to audiences and encapsulate this message in an inspirational way. It's, it's probably where I feel just as much alive as I do with a canvas 
I remember at the age of 12, I would lay in bed and anything interesting that I had heard that day, I would hold a microphone in my hand, in my head and fall asleep at the age of 12, thinking about what I would say to an audience of 500 or a thousand or 2000. Wow. And now that's what I'm doing. I get that joy and honor and I'm getting bookings with some banks and large companies where I get to relay this message of creativity into the business world. And it's just such an honor. And it's so needed. It is so needed. <laughs> it is. And I believe that you throw some creativity in and it will increase productivity. Definitely. Um, it'll increase better problem solving skills. It'll probably lift the morale of the, the teams. It does. Um, it probably will shift the culture mm-hmm. within the organization in a positive sense. Um, you know, it's like bringing some color. I'm wearing, I've got a bit of color going on. Um, it does, you know, it can brighten up the entire, lighten up the entire um, experience. So I, that's fantastic. So that was also one of my questions. So, because I know you do events, charity speed painting, and you, so you're doing these corporate um, events. I was curious because you did ask about how COVID nine, what lessons you learned in COVID nineteen. Um, it was very interesting to read a lot of people's, uh, uh, you know, um, opinions. So there was a lot of negativity. Mm. Whereas I was trying. I, I'm, I'm always, and everyone who listened to me or clients of mine will say, I'm always looking for the silver lining. COVID, as uh, hard as this year has been you've got to find the opportunities and that's where the gold nuggets are, you know, um, but it was really interesting to see how many negative messages, but then there was some beautiful, beautiful, positive comments, especially, you know, from people stuck in Melbourne, so, you know, the ones you think were really struggling were actually looking at the brightest and most positive notes. So um, how did you go with that event? Oh my goodness. Uh, are you talking about the painting with the Melbourne people? I'm not sure. You wrote, you put out there that you've got to write this big speech on COVID-19. Oh, that was so funny. Okay. So yeah, I had to do a keynote speech, uh, regarding COVID, the bushfires, everything for a bank. And I had to pre-record it. We're talking not a 15 minute speech. We're talking like 35, 40 minutes. So creating a, a keynote speech pre-recorded, having never done that before, you don't get that energy from a live event. You don't get to see their faces to see if they're engaging, to know if you need to change the, the wording, the phrasing, the pace, anything like that. So I, I saw the challenges of it, learned so much, and it was a great experience. They loved it, but then it was so funny because I could go into the analytics of the video and go, okay, this is where people's attention drained and a lot of people push stop on watching the video. And I think... Sometimes my best events are the ones where they were technically a fail in a sense, because you learn the most, you learn more than you, you learn more from one difficult event than you do 20 great events. You, you know, that's how you stretch and grow. So yes, that was challenging, but I've also done a lot of virtual events with uh, team building where everyone gets watercolors with me and I teach them through zoom which has been incredible to connect with all these people in Melbourne. And they've got these companies that will reach out to me and I get to draw and paint with them and I, their kids join in. And then it's great because the coworkers get to see who their, you know, their coworkers painting and then they hold up their 
painting to go, oh my God, I had no clue you were a gifted artist. It was like the secret talent that you hadn't told us. And just that connection that it gives them is just a great, great experience. So that sort of answers the question I was going to ask about how you're working through being an artist during a time when art hasn't been as celebrated as, as it should be um, because we're in, you know, parts of the country are still in lockdown, we've been in lockdown. Um, and then there's this whole, you know, you can't do events, um, you know, that's slowly going to change in the future, which is really exciting. Sydney's starting to lift, it, lift all of that um, and other parts have uh, Australia, but, you know, you can't go to Brisbane, you can't go to Queensland yet. Um, and obviously Melbourne's still in that quite very strict environment. So how have you been able to pivot, there's that magic word in this industry, um, your business to keep, you know, the food on the table and the roof of your head as an artist? Great question. So for me, 2020 has been the greatest year of my life. I know many people wouldn't say that. It hasn't been the greatest financial year, no, but I have learned and grown more and there's still food on the table. And a lot of artists can't say that they're out of the red. And I'm really grateful that I am still despite losing, like I lost every event in a matter of one week, as soon as COVID hit, just phone call after phone call, sorry, this event's canceled, sorry, this event's canceled. And instead of saying, oh, too bad, I immediately came back to them and said, hey, have you changed this event to a virtual event yet? And then offer to paint live. And I was able to save several events by painting live from the comfort of my home, didn't have to travel anywhere, just ship the painting off afterwards. And another way I pivoted was I've taken on more murals than I've ever done. And so I've grown my skill level as a muralist and then performing virtually. That's been a big, massive challenge because it, once again, you don't have that energy of a room to feed off of, but because I've been doing it several times now, it's getting better, flowing better, learning how to keep the dogs out of the studio while I'm trying to perform live and, and the, the best part is now I can look at the years to come and go, oh my goodness, I can perform in seven different countries in seven days if I wanted to because of technology. Absolutely, which is what I'm thinking, like my mind goes a million miles an hour, as you know, I start thinking all these ideas for you. Um, I mean, you could really kick ass with your goal of a million dollars now because you don't have to go on a plane and stand in front of a, a, you know, a couple of thousand people at an event, you could be on, you know, virtually in front of millions of people and do a worldwide charity event. Exactly. Oh, that's a great one. So yeah, there's so many different ways. I think that people that don't want to see the silver lining and they just want to stay in that victimhood mode, you know, they're not going to experience the richness and the gold that this year has provided. I think our planet needed this year you know i do my heart does go out to the people that have lost loved ones in the same sense how many millions of lives have been saved long term because the reduction of gases in the air you know like they've they've said the amount of people's lives that have been saved in china alone from the reduced emissions from the factories is huge and i think it's made people more connected to each other i think we're getting our, our life and our pace of life was going so fast to the point where we were losing all connectivity. And I think this year kind of was a wake up call 
for millions and millions of people um, to slow down and enjoy family dinners. You know, I've never played so many freaking rounds of Uno in my entire life as I have in the past six months. And it's been wonderful. The kids are great and we love it. It's, I think if we don't stop and smell the roses, we're, you know, what's, what's the point of living? Yeah, no, it's a really good message. And it, it goes back to what I was saying when you asked people on social media, maybe a month ago, when you were preparing for that um, virtual speech, um, there were a lot of negative, but the, the positive was actually very similar. That message of this is the time to smell the roses. This is time to actually take take a breath and have a look at and appreciate, you know, the stars and the, the sky and the clouds and your family. And it's you know the little things actually become the big things. Right. Um, and that's one of the lessons I've learned is, you know, I, I've, you know, I had a baby last year and. I couldn't get a repair, I couldn't get childcare, I couldn't get any help. So I had to just sort of sit back and uh, you know, trust that my clients would understand that I wasn't working full time. And actually for the first time, even though I, I love my boys, I never really had that um, hands-on stay-at-home mum experience with my boys either. I went straight back into studying and working when they were born. So this year sort of forced me into that role more than I expected and then there's also that battle because your expectation hasn't been met but you just got to let that shit go excuse my language but that's most liberating and a lot of people really do struggle with that um you know you mentioned that sort of archetype of the victim we all can fall into that trap of blaming or or, or um uh, avoiding or just you know feeling like we're worst off or we're you know hard done by but if we actually stop and go, okay, I can't go out, or I can't do certain things, and it's really hard, but what am I learning about myself? What have I learned out of this experience? And I think that's, again, that's really tapping into our creativity because the creator is actually all about wanting to learn, experience new things. Right. Um, and when you do that, you grow. You do. This has been a year of growth. And if, you know, whether any, you know, we all appreciate it or not, I love that you have had a brilliant year. Um, and I have too. I have too. I, you know, I realize how much I hate crowds. Well, I, everyone, you know, I hate crowds. But it's just, you know, it's, it's great because people move out of your way. I'm like, oh, I don't have to feel like a freak anymore. Totally. Yeah. When I go to the shops now and there's a lot of people, I'm like, oh, go home, go home. I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> yeah. I hate shopping for that very reason. So, yeah, the world has changed and it's, you've, we've all got to learn to embrace it. Yes. We can't see it, you know, it's it's never going to go, I don't believe, going to go back to how it was. There's some things and elements to what this year's brought that we will continue going with. And I think the way we um, do business is certainly one of them. So, you know, going, doing global events online. I was at a conference last week when I really wanted to invest in some earpods because the wire was starting to annoy me when I was out and about. But, you know, listening in to speakers, these keynote speakers, and they said similar things to you, that whole it's really hard to gauge the energy of your listener when you can't see them or know that they're there. It's like complete silence. Um, and you just hope that they're hanging on to every word you're saying. Believe me, we are. We really are. <laughs> Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, I was doing a team meeting with a group I'm a part of called Future Crunch, and it's a group of intellects and brainiacs that speak at events, and they've added me to the group as a speaker. 
And it was so funny because I told them that challenge that I was having with it, not having that energy of events and hearing the sound of silverware. And it was so cute because they all just grabbed some silverware or cricket started banging it in the talk. So I could have that moment of feeling like they're present, they're having dinner while I'm speaking. And it was just really cute of speakers understanding speakers. Type yeah. yeah. It's interesting because it's something you don't think about, but yes, when you're all keen at speaking, usually um, while the speaker's on stage, the meal is being served. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you're not having those that kind of background noise that you're accustomed to of, you know, Australians annoyingly chatting in the background and <laughs> people drinking and, and just loving that. Yeah. Even the movement of people, you know, being served food, just little things that you become accustomed to as speaking. It's, it's been a challenge, but I think it's, it's really helped grow, grown and stretch me. I, I love the book. Um, I haven't even fully read it, but, uh, it's called Stretch, and it, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's a New York bestseller. And he goes into the whole concept of stretchy versus chasey and about the, the psychology and the studies behind companies that have been successful despite having so little resources and how other companies that have failed despite having so much. And mm -hmm. so where it comes into play is stretchy versus chasey. So in a stretchy mindset, we can look at what we have and become really creative and innovative with what we have. And I think 2020 has helped so many companies go, oh my God, I actually don't need this aspect of to run this, my company. I can actually get rid of this, get rid of that, and I can use and pull the resources here to be effective. And then the ones when we are in a chasey mindset, we go, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. Don't have enough uh intellect on this subject and you're always chasing for the next thing but when you live out of that mindset of being grateful for what you have and work within that framework you actually can be more successful than someone that has twice as much education in finance that is so true another amazing uh piece of advice from you today sarah i'm loving this this is fantastic um i'm going to tell everybody they have to listen just all the way through because even if they're not into sort of the arts or wanting to know what this message is about. I think you're, you've got a lot of, um, you've had such a massive growth spurt, I guess, and a lot of experience and also working, doing a lot of corporate events, you, you know, you've done a lot of research on the topic as well. So you're sharing some very valuable um, pieces of advice that can, everybody will benefit from. I wanted to also ask, so where to from here with you going forward? We're still in the thick of COVID-19. We don't really know when the end is nearing or when, you know. So we're still in very uncertain times. What are your plans with your art and your, your events and whatnot? That's a great question. There's three main things I'm growing in. One is COVID made me purchase an iPad Pro and learn how to digitally paint because I was being approached with tech companies saying, hey, we want you to paint, but we don't want you to paint on a canvas. Can you learn how to paint digitally so we can put it on the entire wall and you paint live at events that way? So I'm learning a whole new skill, wow. set, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's great when you can just like 
double click and erase what you've done and it's completely a stroke is completely gone other you know when you're working with wet paint and you make the wrong stroke or the wrong color it's you kind of it can get muddied if you don't know what you're doing so it's really great to go boop, done so that's one aspect is growing in a whole new skill set of art a whole new medium two i really am wanting to start doing a series of paintings that i create for me I'm constantly creating work for other people and I feel like it's time that I create a series of work that uh, reflect my life over the past two, three years spiritually where I've grown and changed and how I see things. Um, thirdly, I want to grow more and more as a professional speaker where I speed paint a five minute painting, then speak and inspire people because my desire to tap others into their creativity and help them see what's inside of them is so great more so than creating works of art because i feel like that's why i'm here is to help all these business people that have lost that sense of um, wonder you know whether it was a teacher or a loved one that said oh you're not an artist and they believed it and they held on to that story i want to help rewrite that story. I want to paint the fresh canvas in their minds of who they are. Um, and that would just be remarkable. And of it's course, different. you know, write a book on the side. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, it's still another concept of one to many. <laughs> yes, it is one to many. Um, and have you got events coming up that anyone could be looking out for? Is there a page or website that you are, you know, on your website, do you have a upcoming events, things like that where people can actually see what you're doing? Uh, actually, most of my events are all private based. There's very rarely that I have a public one. If I do have a public event, whether it's at a concert or something, I will post it onto my website or Facebook or Instagram. So people can follow me at artistsarahrowan.com or on Facebook at the same thing, Instagram, same LinkedIn, also that. But yeah, I tend to do private birthday parties, weddings, corporate events, and yeah, it's not easy to get in unless you know somebody. True, those kind of things are very closed off. You were at my wedding and, <laughs> and, and another girlfriend's uh, wedding. And they're very, you know, right with your artworks, it's um, always very different. And um, there's no, it's never the same thing. I've been to quite a few of yours. I mean, the first one was, because uh, the passion of mine was the pink, event of pink ribbon and breast cancer awareness and so you did this incredibly beautiful um picture of a woman sort of a silhouette of a woman but we were in this amazing sort of yoga studio garden so you used i get the, the inspiration of the colors around you with all these beautiful greens and golds and browns very organic looking it was just stunning um and we ended up getting that sold by someone who wasn't even at the event because we posted it um, religiously over social media and someone came back and went, I love that. I want it. So, um, you know, I mean, that was probably my first experience with you painting. Um, so I really love seeing how you've blossomed a lot over the, over the years, Great which memory. is fantastic. I don't even remember what I painted until you said it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I, how many, do you have a number of how many paintings you have done? I've done over 400 events and some events there's two to five paintings at. I know I've done probably about a thousand paintings at least since right. 
and you've raised over 200,000. I'm at, I'm at almost the 200,000 mark. Right. The largest sale was um, a piece that went for 50,000 to help fund uh, MND research, motor neuron disease. And I know who bought that. You do. <laughs> and uh, that was beautiful, that pa that painting. So it was quite a, um, sort of the abstract of the city skyline, wasn't it? Yeah, I do a lot of Sydney Harbour pieces and just try to change it up each time just because I love the city. I, I think it's, it's stunning. And yeah, I met my future wife at the Opera House. So it's just near and dear to me that yeah. Harbour. <laughs> And what I guess you've given us so many amazing lessons today. Um, if there was any any more pieces of amazing advice, what would that be? The moment we say to ourselves, not possible, we are saying, I don't want it. We're telling the universe that we don't really want it, even though we may want something. The moment we go, oh, that's too hard. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education or time. We're just saying, I don't really want it. So be careful what you say is impossible. The other thing I'd say is change your definition of success if you constantly find yourself chasing success because you're doing yourself a disservice. I used to think, oh, when I'm on TV, that will be, I'll make it then as an artist. Didn't happen. I was on TV. That wasn't a turning point. I thought, oh, if I paint at the Sydney Opera House or at Parliament, that will be the point that my art career takes off. Nope, didn't happen. Oh, when I tour Europe as a speed painter performer, that will be the moment. I got to tour Europe for 12 days performing all over Europe. That didn't, that wasn't it. And I looked back over all those things. I've realized my definition of success is so warped. It wasn't a single event. It wasn't a, a single moment. It's the journey of it. And if we think we're going to have a Justin Bieber experience and we're going to be discovered by an agent on YouTube and become, wow, that is like 1%, if not half percent of people's success. Success is in living and journeying and being conscious and present with each and every day and moment and not living a life of good habits because good habits are actually not even healthy in a sense of you just are living subconsciously, you're not really there. So change your defini definition of success and that's where you'll find it. Enjoy the journey. Wow. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This has been the best. I, 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 love, I love doing this and you've just given us so many beautiful um, pieces of advice and experiences like just through this um, short hour. Um, so thank you so much. I, would, I have to get you back on again. <laughs> I would love to think about what we could talk about, but there's so much. And I think that you could do a virtual thing worldwide and really um, boost that now. I reckon it's, it's all possible, right? The one thing you're all about is not putting a limit on it, right? Exactly. No limits, no ceilings. That's it. And enjoying the journey. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here then. So thank you so much. Um, so reach out, follow Sarah, um, you know, get, if you're in corporate world and you think that, um, your work would benefit from one of these events, by the way, get in touch with her because she's fantastic. I can't sing her praises enough. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate your time today. And I hope everyone has gotten any, something like I have. I feel like I'm just so motivated now and, and gotten far more clarity than I did an hour ago. So. Um, I'm hoping everyone else has enjoyed that. Thank you.
My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. You're amazing. Enjoy. Awesome.